0: I think in a lot of of cases, people do like where they are, and at the very least, you get the job security, right, the paycheck, so it's very, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, it's definitely very, very difficult to do. I would still, and I still, when I talk to people about this, recommend they do it, and the sooner they do it in life, the better.
1: Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. It's time for you to increase your influence, grow your business, and scale to freedom. Now, let's enter the lab with your host, Samantha Riley. Welcome back to another Monday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Today's episode is brought to you by Business Success Academy. Now, Business Success Academy is for you if you're a coach, author, or speaker, and you want to build a six figure leveraged coaching business. Now, if it's your time to create a business which gives you financial stability without hustling and working yourself into the ground, so that you have the flexibility to do the things that are important to you, it may be for you. So this may or may not resonate with you. Right now you're working a ridiculous amount of hours, you're constantly working and you're frustrated that you're not getting the results you think you should be getting. Or maybe you're even feeling secretly jealous that other people are getting the results that you want. But the thing is, your dream business is only a few steps away and is totally achievable. But so many entrepreneurs are missing the steps that are going to bring the clients through the door. And instead, they're spending too much time on the fancy, bright, shiny objects that the gurus are telling them that they should be doing. Now I can tell you after being in business for over 26 years that while the platforms may have changed a ton, the foundations haven't. And if you don't have your foundations in place, no bright, shiny object is going to save your business. So if you're ready to work less and make more, check out business success academy at Global forward slash success. I mean, I want you to imagine right now, what would it feel like to have more money coming in, and to feel relaxed and clear about where you're heading and know exactly what you need to be doing on a day-to-day basis. So that link again, samanthariley.global forward slash success. Now, in today's episode, I interview Alex Mellon, who shares with us his story about going from corporate to opening his first business, Smart Sites, which has gone on or was recently featured in the Inc. 5000 fastest private growing companies in the U.S. So let's just jump straight in and let him share the story of how he's done this. So let's welcome Alex Mellon into the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Alex. It's awesome to have you joining me here today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: I'm very excited. You have got some very amazing credentials, uh, top 100 young entrepreneurs in America, Business Week's top 25 entrepreneur under 25 and a gazillion more. So I know that today you're going to have a ton to share with our audience. I'm really looking forward to diving down the rabbit hole with you. But before we get started, I'd love you to share what it is that you're doing currently.
0: Yeah, cool. Uh, So again, excited to be here. Uh, So currently, I'm a co founder and uh, co uh, co owner of uh, here at smart sites. So we're a digital agency. I started with my younger brother in uh, early 2011. So we're now eight and a half years in business. Uh, So that's uh, the last eight and a half years I've spent here uh, growing this company we're now uh, approaching 100 employees. So been been a lot of growth and a lot of fun over the last couple of years.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So I'd love you to to walk back because you also, I know, um, was it your your first business was a web hosting company? Uh, which had almost a million users worldwide. I mean, that's a pretty incredible first business. I'd love you to yeah. <laughs> walk, us, walk us back and take us on the journey of how you got into that first business and, you know, sort of how you've got to where you are today.
0: Great place to start. So actually, I started T35 hosting back in 97 when I was actually only 13 years old. So, been been a long time but uh, for those who've been around the internet long enough and who were around in digital space back then uh, if you think back that was towards the beginning of the internet boom and uh, back then if you wanted to really have a presence on the internet have a have a website or have something it was very very difficult to do so this is before obviously Facebook profiles before even having profiles existed in any sense uh, of the word and the idea behind the company I started was to allow people to freely and easily host something on the internet that would be accessible around the world. So at that time, really the the only people that had websites were mostly companies. Mm-hmm. Who is you would go to your internet service provider, Verizon, at of the time, Verizon was Bell Atlantic back then, and it would cost a lot, a lot of money. It would take a long time. So it was really not accessible for the average person to have a website online. And it was right as that space was exploding. So, so around the same time, companies as GeoCities started, Tripod, Hypermart, none of which, of course, are, are, are around today. But that, that was the idea to offer free web hosting, and it was ad-sponsored. So I would provide web hosting, and the, to cover the cost of the technology and staff and everything, it would be sponsored by advertisers, companies that would advertise, and we put the ads on, on the website. So we ran that for, for a very long time. Like you said, we, we grew t 35 hosting to almost a million customers. At a certain point, I want to say around 10 years ago, we, we shut down the free hosting operation. Similarly to how a lot of our other competitors had to deal with, it became very difficult to offer it for free in a way that made sense kind of got squeezed from both ends. So from one end, things like Facebook and LinkedIn now existed. So before, if you wanted to have a personal profile on the internet, literally the only way to do it was to make a website. Now you can have your Facebook profile and LinkedIn profile. And so many other things squeezed in from one end. And then from the other end, there became lots of abuse. So in the beginning of the internet, it was really, I, I feel like it wasn't, people didn't understand it as much. It wasn't abused yeah. as much. And then later on, just became a lot of abuse. People started websites to try to steal credit card numbers, right? Like really mm-hmm. bad things. And when you make it for free and no one's really accountable for it, it just breeds a lot more abuse. So I think those, those factors kind of squeezed from both ends and all of our competitors went out of business. Uh, we still have the service. We still have the hosting company. It shifted a little bit to provide web hosting to small businesses and really focus on the small business needs versus the absolute free product. But it's it still exists in, in a lot of ways very similarly to original for service it might not be free anymore but it's very cost-effective way and a very quality service and uh, really still allows you to have uh, at, a, at a good price point uh, website on the internet that's reliable and accessible around the world
1: that's so cool between there and where you are now you had a I I believe you had a corporate job in there as well oh. Tell us yeah, so, be- why you you went from being a business owner into corporate. Most people would do that the other way around. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, so great question. So, uh, running, I ran T thirty five hosting in high school and then college, and I went to college to Babson, which is a very small school, and outside of Boston, but it was uh, the the school is focused on entrepreneurship. So, literally, that's that's business was the only major, and it's that's what it's known for. So, throughout the whole. Process. I was definitely always very focused on entrepreneurship. But coming out of school, I felt like I needed to have a kind of broader corporate experience. And I spent actually some time in a lot of different roles. And it was literally just trying out different companies and different roles and try and see it was very interesting to me to see how different companies did things mm-hmm. uh, both from a cultural perspective operations it was just very very interesting to me and just coming out of college if I just continue running T35 hosting or, or another business I feel like I just wouldn't have that that background to see mm-hmm. how these other companies who are successful have done it. So I worked as a digital analyst for a couple months. Then I worked as an actuary for a subsidiary of GE for a little bit. I worked in corporate finance at Toys R Us, which is now out of business. And what's funny, the reason I left from there was because I saw the direction they were going. Ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: from the inside, it, it's a lot more For me, it was very obvious coming into it than the people who were there for a long time. But yeah, I worked in investment banking for a little bit at Citigroup. So I really got a full range of of roles and companies and actually the most time the only position I didn't I didn't really want to leave is I spent 3 years at Publicis MediaVest which I think then merged and got somewhere else but it's owned by Publicis doing digital on the Samsung for Samsung and then the majority of my 3 years for Walmart and I think that that experience was by far the most valuable Because it led me to start this company that we run now. Because I I just saw the amount of opportunity in in the marketing space. So the Samsungs and Walmarts of the world are getting an amazing marketing product from from these big agencies, the publicists of the world, right? And they're getting amazing results and doing amazing things and really, really cool stuff. But the small businesses just don't have the opportunity to have that. So the idea when we started SmartSites was to provide a full-service digital product for the small businesses, the mom and pop stores, the the ones that are still not sure what to do with the whole internet thing, not sure how to model their digital presence or advertise themselves online. Because I feel like those are the people who needed it the most and who were getting the least of it because the bigger agencies wouldn't really touch any of those small, medium-sized businesses, just saw an opportunity in that. And that's, that's how it came around.
1: You know, there's two parts of that story that leapt out to me. And number one is that you've gone into a job essentially to be paid to learn, which I think is super yeah. smart. So notice that there was a knowledge gap and thought well, rather than study, let's jump in and actually earn a wage. You're being paid to learn, which I think is really yeah. cool. Um, and the second thing is that, that going back and, and seeing the opportunity that brought you to where you are and saw that there was, you know, businesses that needed your help that weren't being served. And I think that that is probably one of the biggest things about the successful entrepreneurs is they see those opportunities, they see those gaps and then they work to fill them. And essentially that's how we build great businesses, not because we've got an idea that we think is going to change the world, but because we actually see people with a struggle or a challenge and we go, yeah, let's just help them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Good points.
1: So SmartSight, you started back in 2011 and you started that with your brother. I know that you've yeah. got almost 100 employees now, but how did you get going? How did you actually leave your corporate job and hit the ground running? You know, finding your, did you have employees at the beginning? Yeah. How did you fund it? I'd love you to take us on that journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. So all oh, oh, great questions. So I think that that process in itself, I find myself, Talking the most about uh, any like events that I, I, I attend about in, uh, entrepreneurship, and I try to be very involved in all those because I feel like a lot of people could use to know about the background that I have. But that that that's the most common question: How do you go from the corporate world to the to literally risking it all and going with your idea? And I'll tell you, it's very tough. Um, yeah. Having gone through a lot of different jobs and companies in a very short amount of time, I really like where I was at Publicis. Uh I really liked my role there. I enjoyed what I was doing. And, and like you said, you get paid to learn. And I really enjoyed all, the amount of learning I was doing there. It was the only position I actually stayed at, I stayed there three years. I think before that, all the other positions I, I I would leave after six months because I just felt like either I wasn't learning anymore, or I really wasn't contributing enough, or we really wasn't contributing to the company. That role was phenomenal, and which made it which made it really really hard. So I feel like it may be a little bit easier for people who don't like their jobs or, or something like that. But yeah,
1: yeah. totally. <laughs>
0: But I I think in a lot of of cases, people do like where they are. And at the very least, you get the job security, right, the paycheck. So it's very, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's definitely very, very difficult to do. I would still, and I still, when I talk to people about this, recommend they do it. And the sooner they do it in life, the better. As you could imagine, later on in life, when you have more responsibility, when you have kids, right, it becomes much, much bigger risk to take. But I think that the sooner you take that risk, the better. And I'm always surprised how few people actually take that kind of risk coming out of college or when or, or they're younger in their career. It's not an easy risk to take, but I think you got to do it. I, I talk to so many people, especially who maybe later in life, who come to regret not taking it. So I, I think at the very least, if you do it and fail, it's still an amazing learning experience, right? If you don't do it, you wind up regretting it for a like,
1: i totally understand that because i started my first business at 20 and my husband and i at the time you know had this discussion we didn't have a huge amount of funds that we'd saved up so we knew that if it didn't go well we were you know we were going to run out of funds pretty quickly and we did have a a mortgage but at the time we're like you know what we're we're young enough that if we lose our house we run out of funds so what like we just go back to our job and and you know we never did we made it work but I agree. It's so much easier when you're younger because when you're older, not only do you have the responsibilities, but it's almost like you don't have that same gung-ho attitude as when you're young. You know, when you're older, it's a bit like, oh, I'm a bit scared to fail. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's great, by the way, your, your story as well, uh, being able to do that. It's very few people are willing to take that risk even even when they're younger even coming out of the background that i've had going to a very entrepreneurial school it was still very uncommon the people who wound up working in an entrepreneurial setting were usually those whose family uh, had uh, literally their own business or something like that those who didn't have that background very tough but you got to do it Uh, even if you fail uh, you know uh, now, being from the other side, where instead of worrying like uh, failing, not being able to get a corporate job, from the other perspective, now hiring people, I'd almost in most cases I would respect more, give more value to someone who actually did that and tried it. And if they failed, they failed, but it shows a lot about a person being willing to to do that and put themselves out there to try something like that. So for those that are afraid that's gonna hurt their corporate something or resume or resume gap, right? People are very very worried about a resume gap? How do you present yourself? I think this really shouldn't be a concern. I think it's a lot of value showing that you actually went out and and created or tried to create something new.
1: Yeah, I think it shows a lot of resilience and that you yeah. have your own back. I think that it. You know, it tells, it shows a lot about a person. And I heard Gary Vaynerchuk doing an interview just the other day where he said, you're crazy not to back yourself and give it a go because what's the worst that happens? You go back to the job that you're at already anyway. So what have you actually lost? Yeah. yeah so what yeah. what are some of the things that you had in place that made you go, okay, I'm leaving this job that I love and I'm making this step out. So for anyone that's listening, that's in their corporate job, you know, they've got their side hustle on the go and they want to turn their side hustle into their full-time gig. What are some of the, the things that they need to make sure that they've, you know, the boxes that they've ticked so that they can make that yeah. transition with as much, I'm gonna say luck as possible, yeah. you know,
0: yeah, great question. So for me, I had two things that were kind of worked towards my advantage. Number one, I already had a lot of expertise in the space. I want to say I didn't necessarily have customers in the marketing space, but I felt that I, that I had the expertise and I had something that I could offer. So I. I it wasn't completely from zero. Uh-huh. And then my other advantage was my younger brother pushed me into it, right? <laughs> uh, I, think, I think without him, I wouldn't have done it. And I'll tell you the way it went down. So he's a little over six years younger than So he's six years younger than me. He was graduating college. or Well, we first had these initial discussions when he was, uh, I think, two years away from graduation. We're in the discussion centered around, uh, at the time, he was also doing a lot of digital stuff, but the stuff we do, uh, we did at the time was we're very different, but complementary, And the discussions were he himself didn't really want to get a corporate job after college. He, he did some internships and he felt like we could be doing a lot more. So we, we had these the discussions probably a year before we started the company. And he was like, now is the time to do it. And it's, it's funny, looking back on it now, it seems like, obviously, it, it it was logical. But back then, in 2011, it really felt like everything in the digital space was already done, right? And it's always like that. Whenever you want to start something new, everyone's done everything already. Yeah, but, yeah, you know,
1: totally. It was a, 2011 was
0: in, was in 1997, right? The digital mm-hmm. space was very built out. There was. Tons of companies doing very similar things, um, so it, it was definitely very risky. But uh, we had the conversation, and it came down to if we if we do it, we gotta do it soon. We can't just plan to do it five years from now, right? Because we see the opportunity now, we gotta do it now. And he said that okay, uh, he he was going to Cornell. He said, if I graduate a year early, we got to start this. And then he he graduated uh, or he was about to graduate in, uh, I think, March or April. And it was already seeming like he already had all his credits, right? Everything, all the ducks are lined up. And he called me up and he said, I, I graduate in two months time. It's go time, right? Yeah. And it was very tough because I, uh, traditionally he, he takes more risks. I'm the personality it's a little bit more risk adverse that that was the final push. she said literally it's now or never right if we didn't do it he would have to get into going to a corporate job and by the time we started doing things slowly on the side like i was thinking i'll do it on the side let's grow yeah, it a little yep. side so it makes more money but by the time we got all that together i think we would have missed the opportunity by by a long shot so he said it's it's Time to do it. I was actually a month away from three years at Publis. So three years, there was like 401k vesting and like a lot of a lot of financial benefits. I was literally weeks away and I said, got to do it. So I, I, I left my corporate job. We started, we started, I, I, I found the office space while he was still in Cornell. Uh, and then when he, he literally, the day he graduated, he drove down and we opened the office. We hired some of the people he knew from Cornell that graduated with him. Posted for jobs for the other positions. Um, I think with two weeks later, we had a fully functional office with 12 employees.
1: Wow. Yeah. Now, I know that you grew that extremely quickly. You know, a lot of people have the fear of, oh, if I leave and I start my business, what if I don't get clients or what if I don't get enough clients? You didn't have that issue at all. You actually grew really quickly and that set that has its own set of challenges so can you take us through what some of the challenges were with your you know your super fast growth
0: yeah so great question i feel like we grow at a medium level i'll give you the how i see the scale thing on one side i see my previous business t35 hosting which i always grew very very conservatively back in the late 90s i declined a lot of private equity investments because i just felt like i wanted to stay in control and grow at very controlled i think on the other extreme are the silicon valley companies right and a bunch of them i know there's a couple of people that used to work for me that now run big companies in uh, california they they grew at a scale where they were doubling the company every month mm-hmm. every 30 days they were doubling the company so wow coming uh, i think since we started we've been doubling the company about every three years uh, and then faster in the beginning right now our current speed is we double the company every three years. Uh, so I don't think we're as extreme as the as the Silicon Valley companies, the tech com- in the tech space, who are funded by equity private equity and grow very quick. But even at the speed we've been growing at, it's definitely been uh, been challenging because a lot of it uh, growth is all uh, all about risk. And the faster you grow, the more risk you take on from lots of perspective, uh, perspectives, both financial and uh, uh, your your operations and quality of service keeping up. Any company I've known that grew very fast always, that was their challenge, growing and not deteriorating the quality of service. So uh, we've been trying to grow at a more reasonable pace. Uh, it, it depends uh, wh- who you compare us to, but I, I feel like it's a more reasonable pace. There's definitely challenges, even s- not really small things, but things you don't think of like office space. So the office we're in right now where Kind of see behind me. We moved here two years ago because uh-huh. we ran out of space in the old office. And so we have now six offices worldwide. But this was this is our headquarters. We moved here, we had I wanna say fourteen employees and it fits twenty two. And I felt like it was enough space for a little bit. Now we're twenty-two, and I really, I literally, we need to hire more people, and we can't until we get bigger. So there's, there's so many challenges with growth. But for people who are listening, who are trying to grow their companies, uh, I I would say the most important thing is to make sure you don't, you don't deteriorate the quality of your service. And that's always been the challenge for us. For example, I'll make it more practical. I'll give you literally how the quality of service attorneys. Uh, So for one side of our business where we do PPC management, so we manage Google AdWords accounts. Mm -hmm. Each person has a certain amount of clients he manages. So if we grow super slow and take very low risks, we just keep loading up the PPC analysts, right? until they all tell me I can't handle anymore and then we hire a person. In that scenario, the last couple of people we sign uh, usually get the worst quality of service because that person's already so busy, he can't uh, okay. he can't, uh, give them attention. The other customers he manages don't get attention and your entire quality of service drops. The other extreme is you hire preemptively when you don't have the clients. You just start hiring employees without the clients and then your margins shrink and you could go out of business. It's always a happy medium hiring preemptively proactively versus reactively but at the same time keeping cash flow in mind so that's being the biggest challenge of our growth uh, alongside with really setting up structure to allow the growth because when you're when you're a 12 person company you don't really need any structure right everyone kind of helps each other and it's more collaborative in the beginning we didn't even have rules right people came in whenever they wanted to it was such a different atmosphere like they were they were excited to to start this company and build it people come at 6 a.m leave at midnight some people come in four hours a day people came in like 14 hours a day right it all kind of worked as you Start growing. You really need that structure to allow for the growth. You have to start setting rules and processes and procedures, so that between that and and growing, finding the right pace, the right pace of growth for your specific business. I think those are the the, the main factors.
1: Do you wish that you had bought those systems and procedures in right from the beginning?
0: Looking back on it, if we had to do it all over again, we would certainly have procedures and processes much, much earlier on. But I I don't think it might have even made it worse for our growth specifically. But if I were to start another company, for example, in the future, I would definitely be more mindful of having actually procedures, processes. We have a handbook right now for every position. So when we hire someone, they literally know what to expect, what, what to do. Before that, we would hire people and just throw them in. Like they would see what other people are doing for a couple of days and then start tossing in clients. So I don't regret the way we built the company, but I think to have uh, Controllable growth uh, without issues. Uh, you definitely need some kind of structure in place to support that
1: Yeah, so that answer was exactly what I was expecting by the way because <laughs> And and I guess and the re- and I did ask it for a specific reason is that you know, There's a lot of people that say, you know This is how you have to grow a business and you need to have your, your SOPs there right from day one and you need to to You know make sure you've got structure and I know that for me and for other people that I know that have built their businesses, that it doesn't allow the organic growth of where the company is mm-hmm. going to go. And it is that collaborative mess, I guess I'm going to call it a mess because it kind of feels like yeah. that at the beginning, that allows the systems and procedures to be, I guess, teased yeah. out to what they need to be. And if you put systems and procedures in from day one, what you it's like you're squeezing out or not allowing new opportunities to arise. So I love that that you you said that.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a balance and I'll show you, even with all the processes and procedures and everything that we have Now polished off. Our office moving out there together, and the idea is that it is very collaborative, and it's definitely a fine balance between between one extreme and the other.
1: Totally. So for people that are listening and they're super inspired and they're thinking, I want to have a company that's got you know 100 employees, or you know their own version of what a successful company looks like. What are maybe you know your three tips to keep in mind when growing your business, and you know just anything that pops to mind.
0: I think risk taking is a very important part of it. And again, that's outside of my comfort zone. I'm I'm not naturally I'm not naturally a risk taker. But I think there's a lot of risk taking, and experimenting that needs to happen. When we just started the company, we were really just throwing darts at the wall. And I'll give you an example. We had a client that was an e-commerce store that we produced amazing results for, and we were thinking. Why can't we start a e-commerce store, right? So we started an e-commerce store. We literally had a sporting goods store, online sporting goods store. We sold thousands of products and it, it did fairly well, but you don't realize all the, the other stuff that comes with it. We started having to do product returns and shipping and freight and customer service. I remember some lady got a glove that she claimed there was a glass in, in, in it and she cut her hand, she claimed and she tried to sue us. And just like, we were just literally going in all different directions and looking back on it it might sound a little bit silly but I think that that's what needs to happen I think you need to really take risks and experiment Uh, I don't think anyone really goes uh, and starts a business and knows exactly to the point what they're gonna do and how they're gonna do it and then they just execute against the idea and it works out perfectly and stays consistent like that for ten years
1: That was a lovely little fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> some people, some people think
0: that way. They, 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 This is my idea. The way I want to run the business. This is my. This is the way I pictured it. And just got to keep trying doing it. But that, that's usually how businesses fail. I think you have to be. You have to be flexible. You have to experiment, and you have to take risks. You won't always succeed, right? You, you take taking risks. When I tell people to take risks, they sometimes. Some people think of it more positively than than actually is taking risks. You'll you'll fail more often than you succeed, right? Yeah. Taking risks is is risky, but the companies that I've seen that have, that have been successful and have grown, that's the way they did it. Maybe eventually, like like twenty years down the road, when you become like Microsoft or something, right? You don't have to take as many crazy risks, although. Um, there's there's something to be said that even companies of the big scale take take a lot of risks and try that's new things. Life. But that, that I think that's a big one that that I think is super super important. And the companies I see fail, and we have from both our clients and and people I know that have gone through this process a big big sample size of people that that, that I know in similar positions to me. Uh, and I think just thinking about which failed and why they failed, more often than not, it was uh, I'll tell it well. Let's I have a good way to answer your question. I could tell you the 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 things not to do from seeing what failed. So things things that I've seen that have failed were people that did not take risks and that did not experiment or were not flexible. They were uh-huh. just rigid. This is what my customer wants. I don't care if they're saying they don't want them. I know this is what my customer wants. So if mm. you're being you're rigid, not taking risks, not being flexible, that's 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 a big one. Financially, I've seen companies fail where they just ran out of money, right? In some cases, they have great products. They just ran out of money too soon. And that itself could be a whole different podcast talking about how financing businesses and everything. But I think that's a big one. And the third one uh, that people don't realize is owners of the companies uh, don't agree. Or uh, there, there's a lot of disagreement and both from management and the employees in the company or, or cultural issues. I've seen very big companies fall apart because of cultural rifts. And it doesn't directly answer your question, but if I were to say things that you want to avoid, there would be those three things.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I like that. And I think that there's a lot of people that do want to take on partners or, you know, go into, you know, joint partnerships because it's a lot of responsibility over your head to be the person, you know, the one person that's driving the bus. Now I've been in both situations. I've had, I've had business partners and I've not and there's pros and cons to both. And I think that if I was going to take, you know, something out of what you said, it's no matter which way you go, make sure you go in with open eyes And really make sure that if you're going into business with someone that you that you really, my accountant says, get your divorce papers in place before you go into partnership. That's the uh-huh. way. That's the way he puts it, and I would totally agree with him. There's a lot of pros to being in partnership with someone, but
0: what's funny is a lot of people told me uh, that it's uh, I shouldn't go into business with my brother. I remember yeah. my parents were very concerned as well, right? Because there's a lot of a lot of horror stories. Most of the horror stories you hear about businesses are literally about part, you know, people come in and go do a part. Partnership, they, they take on someone as a partner, and just that tears the business apart. So that, that was definitely a the, the huge, huge concern for my parents and a lot of people I talked to in the beginning. Luckily, my brother and I are just so very different that it works out. The stuff he does, I don't want to touch, and the stuff I do, he doesn't want to touch.
1: And I think uh, that's definitely where the where the gold is because I believe that um, Gary Vee's in partnership with his brother too. Yeah, Same yeah. thing, taking completely separate parts of the business and well, my first business partner was actually my now ex-husband, but for 20 years we were in business together and it, again, it worked perfectly because our skill set was so polar opposite. That it was a beautiful partnership, yeah. but other people I've been in business with, they want to do the same things as me, and that's, that's when it doesn't work. work. Yeah
0: you won't always get lucky and go into business with someone that's a polar opposite of you or at least uh, opposite enough. Uh, in those cases, you just need the separation of responsibilities. It has to be like really, really clear from the start. Otherwise, you just, it's a huge risk for disaster.
1: Totally. Now, I believe that you are offering some business consultations to our listeners. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah,
0: yeah definitely. So uh, Smart Sites, the agency that, that we run, literally our uh, focus is on helping small, medium-sized businesses, people with ideas, developing businesses. So part of the service we offer is we offer a consultation. So if you want to call up and, and talk to us about starting a business, our team could literally help guide you whether you you need a website they'll, they'll tell you, maybe you don't need a website, maybe you just need a landing page or uh, maybe you need this kind of marketing or that kind of marketing. So for those listening in, uh, we're open for, for consultations. You can reach out to us from our website, smartsites.com and uh, one of our uh, team members will, will uh, help you out.
1: Fantastic. Alex, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. It's always great to hear the stories from people that have been in the trenches and done the work. I really appreciate the, uh, you know, the, I guess the honest way that you've shared with us on how you've grown your business. But if there was one, one thing that you wanted to leave our listeners with today, you know, talking about, about their business, what would it be?
0: I would say take, take the risk, take the plunge, Uh, whether that means leaving a corporate job and trying out an idea or whether that means growing the company further or trying a new thing in your company or offering a new service. Uh, I think you just got to do it.
1: Love it. I think it's absolutely perfect. (laughs) Thanks so much, Alex. And uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you and hearing more about your success with Smart Sites.
0: Perfect. Thank you.
1: Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community especially for thought leaders and experts just like you and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to podcast click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love and as this show is new i would love 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 you to leave a five-star rating and a review on itunes see you next time in the thought leaders business lab